So we begin by doing the abdominal examination. So first of all, wash your hands, introduce yourself, ask if there's any discomfort. Um, begin by looking around the bed space. The patient should be sitting up at 45 degrees. First of all, are they well, unwell? Have they got large body habitus? Are they cachexic? Are they jaundice? Any drain strips around? Is the patient got food around them? Do they have lines, cannulas, catheters? Is there a TPN or bone ball? Um, then check peripherally, so in terms of the hands, you're looking for any clubbing, sans and cirrhosis, IBD, celiac, leukonychia, so white nails associated with hyperalbuminia, and colonychia, so like spoon-shaped fingernail associated with iron deficiency. In the palms, you're looking for any palm erythema associated with chronic liver disease, uh, estrogen excess, um, adjuvantons contracture, again idiopathic but can be associated with alcoholism, um, a tremor, a fine tremor, could be due to alcoholism again, and then asteresis, so you ask them to put their hands up in the air, um, and then this could be associated with decompensating liver failure. And then you're moving up the arm, so now you're looking at the, the wrist, so you can feel the pulse, radial in character, um, skin, looking for needle marks, tattoos, both associated with um, hepatitis, um, excoriations, bruising, bruising, petechiae are relevant because they can be associated with um, uh, vit uh, vit vitamin K deficiency, um, and so um, yeah, and then you've also look at the cannula, and so renal fissures may be present if they are, then you breathe. So you listen to them, auspitate them, and feel for free. Um, you ask for blood pressure in terms of again looking at the arms, externally looking at the hair distribution. Um, in the abdominal examination, you can look for uh, skin changes, so acanthosis nigrans associated with gastric cancer, also associated with diabetes as well. Moving up to the face and the neck, so you can look at the eyes, looking for any jaundice, um, anemia, xanthelasma, especially in PVC, uh, uveitis irritatis associated with IBD and Kaiser flesher rings in Wilson's disease. Um, I would also look at the neck and that gives you an assessment for the fluid status as well. Um, in terms of the mouth, quickly, gums, hypertrophy, venous holding, uh, buccal mucosa, apple ulcers, IBD, beshets, uh, pigmentation in Addison's, um, again, lips and tongues, maybe also signs of B12, iron deficiency, um, bursitis is a B12 deficiency, candida, maybe immunosuppressed. Um, you could also look, feel the neck, any lymph nodes, especially in Virgil's triad on the left side, um, and yeah, I mentioned JVP as well. So the chest, you look for hair distribution, so estrogen excess will need less hair, and typically males. Spinonavi, along the distribution of the SVC, is more than five is papillomic. If there's any in males, and also that is papillomic. Gynecomastia as well, excess estrogen, um, excess estrogen. So you lie the patient flat, and then you then inspect the patient for any um, body habitat, fat, feces, flatus, fluid, fetus, um, ask them to lift their head up, that's key, that'll show there's any hernias, um, check there's any scars, um, look if there's any stoma, which I'll come to later, um, any visible veins, so commit medusa, um, and then skin, is there any striations, jaundice, uh, excoriation as well. So, begin to go to your palpation, so first of all you begin with at the level of the abdomen, you do the nine quadrants, um, superficially, and then do, and then you can do your specific size for Murphy's and, and Rosvings, and then 
you can do your palpation starting uh, from the right inner corset up to the spinal to edge of the liver, and then you comment on it, size, is it irregular, um, and then you do the same for the spleen, and then you can do your percussion for the spleen and the liver as well. Follow the kidneys, um, examine the, the abdominal aorta at the same time, or the, you can do inguinal lymphopathy as well. Um, you could also percuss the bladder and, and mention that you'd auscultate, don't forget to auscultate for bowel sounds, and you can also listen to the aorta as well. And then and finally, peripherally, you'd also look for edema as well. And then to complete the examinations, you'd also look for, you'd ask for uh, observations, hernia, external genitalia, do a rectal examination, and also do a urine dipstick. There's other key things to this examination, which which I may not have mentioned. Um, yeah, I kind of already mentioned that the spinal navi is pathologic in males, and I mentioned to lift the head up as well, um, to just to or ask the patient to cough to check that there's any hernia. Um, you need to get down to the level of the patient when you're doing the examination, and also look at them and see whether there's any pain, and probably actually most important check beforehand that there is no pain. Um, and I've also mentioned about the size of the liver. Um, just oh yeah, ascites and shifting dawns. So when you're percussing, if you find any dawns to percussion, you keep your finger over that area. Ask the patient to roll over to the other side. So the side, so the side that you find the dawns is superior, and then you percuss um, then. And if there's dawns at the bottom, then that's that's when you know that's shifting dawns. So that's, that's that, and then other key things about the abdominal examinations are, again, looking for the scars and knowing uh, where they will be, um, and when you're biting the kidneys, so if there's palpable kidneys, it can be polycystic kidney disease, it can be renal cell carcinoma, it could be renal cyst, if it's bilateral, it could be polycystic kidneys, hydronephrosis, um, and then the signs of chronic liver disease kind of already mentioned, so jaundice, bad neighbor, gynecomastia, etion excess, pruritus, bruising because they have a normal clotting, petechiae because of bromocytopenia, uh, due to bone marrow suppressing, uh, kaput medusa, splenomegaly as well, so due to portal hypertension, uh, decompensated will be asteroxis and ascites. In terms of the ascites, so you've got your SAG, which is your serum to, al to ascites, albumin concentration gradient. High is more than 1.1, and that's due to things which are broken, so liver failure, liver cirrhosis, uh, congestive cardiac failure. Low is like infection and neoplasm, so pneumonia, malignancy, um, and pancreatic uh, issues. And um, other things to mention, so, so just think about the nine areas of the abdomen and what can be in either. So the, the things which I always forget are subphrenic abscess can be bilateral, pyelonephritis can be bilateral in the right upper uh, right hypochondrium, left hypochondrium, and then don't forget the gynae causes, so ectopic, ovarian cyst, torsion, and rupture, um, and then urinary tension as well, and uh, uterine colic. And the right iliac fossa, you've got mesenteric lymphomatitis, left iliac fossa, diverticulitis. And then causes of hepatomegaly, so the most common causes are cirrhosis, due to alcoholic liver disease, um, and then malignancy as well. Um, and so malignancy could be metastasis, metastasis, sorry, primary hepatocellular cancer, and myeloproliferative or um, lymphoproliferative disorders. Um, and the infections are hepatitis B, C, EBV, C, and B, 
you can also get fatty liver and biliary tract disease as well, can also enlarge liver, such as PVC and sclerosing cholangitis. And then the cause of cirrhosis are alcohol and then hepatitis. And then splenomegaly, lymphoproliferative disorders, um, again, that's what's going to cause that uh, to be raised. Um, you've got your Felty syndrome, sarcoid, SLE, you've got other hematological disorders, such as spherous heterosis, um, and then malaria as well, and sickle cell can also cause it to, to be enlarged. So this is going to be about testicular, rectal, hernia, and sternal examination. So testicular examination, again, wash your hands, introduce, ask if there's any pain, um, expose, position, so that's the wipers, wash, hands, introduce, um, pain, expose, position, I'm sorry, what the R stands for. So first of all, inspection of the testicles and distribution of pubic hair. Um, note any obvious abnormalities such as if there's discharge, sloppiness, if there's phimosis, which is uh, inability to retract the foreskin, and then parapomosis, which is inability to put the foreskin back. Um, hopefully there wouldn't be that in uh, an exam. Is there any evidence of an infection or ulceration, uh, such as uh, beshets? You're going to check the scrotum as well, check for any edema, and in addition to looking at the scrotum and the testicles, you'll also see varicocele, hemocele, etc. Um, and don't forget the testis, left testis hand slightly lower than the right. So first of all, warm your hands, palpate, roll the testes between the thumb and forefinger. Um, are both testes there, first of all? Is it tender? Um, is it a normal size, which is around five centimeters? Does it feel firm, which is normal? A soft may suggest um, hypogonadism, like client filters, are there any masses? Then you feel the epididymis, which is above and posterior to the testes, and then you feel the spatter cord, which is above the epididymis. Again, any, any irritation there might be epididymitis or it might be epididymal cyst. With regards to the masses, the three things you need to ask yourself is can you get above it? If the answer is yes, it's, a, it's usually a testicular or spatter cord lesion. If it's no, then it's going to be an um, uh, inguinal hernia. The next question, is it solid or cystic? Um, then the third question, is it separate from the testes or is it part of the testes? Because if it's separate from the testes, um, it could be epididymitis or epididymal cyst, depending on whether it's cystic or solid. If it's part of the testes, it could be a testicular tumour. If it's solid or if it's cystic, it could be um, a hydrocell. And then to complete the examination, you do lymphadenopathy, inguinal. But remember that the testicular will go to paraortic, but if it's a scrotal, it will be superficial So you do that lymphadenopathy. Um, so other things to mention to differential, so testicular torsion is unlikely to be in an examination, sudden onset severe, possibly twisting a horizontal lie. Um, you've got your tumours, so you've got your seminonis, which is your SLB. That's number one, so that's uh, LDH and human gonotrophin and your teratomas which are your uh well non seminomas which is your AFP and your BCHP. Um so you got your hematocele which does not transluminate, it's usually associated with trauma, hydrocele which does transluminate, um usually idiopathic um, due to the patent process rationalis, secondary due to trauma, cancer or infection. Bronchitis, again, due to lumps, syphilis, again, rare. Um, and then epididymal, epididymal bronchitis. Um, so, friends test, uh, relieves the pain. 
Massasana epidemiocarditis, uh, chlamydia, gonococcus, uh, UTI, um, and then varicocele, especially if it's left-sided, then you think about renal pathology, because uh, there's congestion of pancreas and plexal veins, and other things to consider a sperm granuloma. Um, to complete the examination, you'd probably also do a UTI, sorry, a urine dip, to, urine dip test as well. Um, and then the rectal examination, again, fairly, fairly normal examination, just again, wash your hands, introduce, uh, position, expose, um, but this time you need to request a chaperone. Um, left lateral position, just the things to remember are inspection, so external hemorrhoids, skin tags, is there any prolapse, is there any fissure, any fistula, um, fissures associated with IBD, STI, fistulas associated with Crohn's, uh, any warts, uh, is it any obvious masses or carcinoma of the anus, um, and then, yeah, that's it really. But And then when you're taking your hand out, don't forget to ask them to squeeze finger and then you're palpating 360, the prostate should be anterior and you can also feel the cervix and any ovarian masses. Um, and then when you take your blood out, look for feces, mucus or blood. Um, and then the sternum examination, so part of your abdominal examination, so you're looking again around the bedside, um, well, first of all, we're looking at the abdomen, see is it left or right? Left is usually a colostomy, right is usually an ilostomy. Again, posteriorly, they might have a urostomy as well. Um, the contents, is it well-formed? Is it liquid? Is it urine? Um, and then the type of stoma, is it flush, um, which is a colostomy, sprouted, would be an ileostomy. Number of lumens, um, so is it single, which is likely to be an anastoma, or if it's double, which is, could be a loop, or defunction stoma. And then you want to know the size, the caliber, so large caliber would be close to me. Then look at the mucosal lining. Is it healthy? Is it ischemic, necrotic? Is it inflamed? Is it infected? Is it red? Um, and then this, look at the surrounding skin as well. So dermatitis can be associated with IBD as well. And then to complete examination, you do a digital examination, you do an abdominal examination as well. So a stoma is an artificial union between two conduits. Um, the indications for stoma are to protect the distal anastomosis, protect the rest and inflamed bowel, um, urinary diversion, so those three are diversion. Um, another example is to decompress and relieve a distal obstruction, um, and also examples could be if it's perforated or contaminated bowel. So the complications of stoma, so early complications are high output stoma, treatment with lipamide, correct electrolytes, codeine, uh, you can also get ischemic gangrene necrosis there, really early signs, and then psychological could be an early sign as well. Late signs as basically stenosis, um, which will lead to constipation, prolapse, um, uh, prolapse of the stoma, uh, parastomal hernia, retraction of the stoma, ischemia, um, skin dermatitis, um, especially with ileostomies. And then psychological again, and then increased risk of gore stones as well. Um, I think that was it really. I'm just going to quickly go over um, just as if there's any any extra thing which I may have not mentioned. Um, yeah, so I mentioned about the testicular examination that the lymph drainage is usually too periotic, which you won't be able to feel, um, but penis and scrotal will drain to inguinal nodes. Um, and then to complete the examination, you would also 
um, do an abdominal examination and listen to the chest for any liver or lung mass. Um, so the inguinal hernia is again really straightforward as well. So, so you'd approach the patient in the same way as abdominal examination. Usually starts at the periphery, but um, they may be lying down or sitting up. If the patient is lying down, um, ask them to raise their head. Hopefully that will delineate any uh, any hernias. If you can't detect it, then you have to stand. Um, first of all, inspection, so look for any scars, any obvious swelling. If you cannot see a hernia, you know, I said, raise the head or ask them to stand. Describe what you see. Um, so this is the key thing as well, defining the anatomy. So you identify the, so, um, what's it called, sorry. The inguinal ligament runs between the pubic tubercle and the asis, and halfway along that, just above that line, is where the deep ring is. So, figure out where those things are. So, by the um, pubic tubercle and the asis, where that line is, and above that line is where the deep ring is. Um, yeah. So, ask them to cough, see whether anything pops up or pops out. If when the hernia, if there is a hernia, asking that they can reduce it themselves. If not, you can reduce it, but obviously be careful about causing them too much pain. If the hernia is controlled, so then you put you put two fingers over the deep inguinal ring, ask them to cough. If the hernia doesn't come back out, then it's an indirect, so it's going to the scrotum. If it does come back out, then it's said to be direct. Although this is not accurate, but it's a good way to assess it. Uh, femoral hernias are likely to become an exam, but the differences are that these usually obstruct, they're not reducible, they're intensely painful, more common in females, and they are an emergency. Uh, the other types of hernias are incisional, umbilical, um, and there's other types of hernias, spaghetti, etc., which I cannot remember what those ones are at the moment. Um, and then the, the causes of hepatomegaly, which I kind of briefly mentioned before, so hepatomegaly is more than 5 millimeters of mercury. You've got your prehepatic, portal vein, thrombosis, wind vein, thrombosis, hepatic, which would be cirrhosis, and primary sclerosis and chondritis, and post-hepatic would be blood chiari. So we're going to do the foot and ankle examination. So expose to the knee, um, introduce yourself, wash your hands, um, look around the bed, so for shoes or no hot ticks. Inspect standing from behind and in front and ask the patient to turn around each time. So you're looking for any any asymmetry, um, any size, uh, sorry, any um, scars, wasting, swelling. They can feel the Achilles tendons, is it thick and asymmetry? Check if it's in varus or valvus heel. So varus, varum, um, uh, apart, valgum, uh, together. And then from the front, as above, as before, sorry, um, abnormalities of the knee position. Uh, you look for pes cavus, which is high arch foot, pes planus, which is a flat foot. Um, you look for hallux uh, valgus, uh, which is also known as bunion, claw toes, overlapping toes. <clears throat> um, and then in terms of how you distinguish it, mention forefoot um, and hindfoot as well. So with, then you ask the patient to stand up on their tiptoes and you can help them into balance. And you want to look at their heel going into varus. Uh, you would see that the longitudinal arch should develop um, well. The longitudinal arch should develop well. In terms of then asking to walk, and you're looking for a, a normal gait. So heel strike, and then the final bit is the toe going off, um, and then any any abnormal gaits. 
Um, and then the patient sitting, you're looking at the skin of the blood supply, ulcers, discoloration, any signs of peripheral vascular disease, rashes, calluses, um, nails, pitting, onchalysis, soft tissues, swelling, erythema, um, and then you go from your bones, proximal to distal, look for any deformities in, in alignment. You can also assess pulses, temperature, sensation, and then you would feel palpate in terms of any tenderness along the ankle joint line, um, assess the medial malleolus, anterior and posterior. Um, under the calcaneus and the plantar fascia, any plantar fasciitis, mid-tarsal joints, and then you squeeze and, and move the metatarsal plantar joints as well. In terms of movements, um, you do your dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, inversion, sub inversion, and eversion at the subtalar joints, and do your mid-tarsal rotation, and also you do your metatarsal and interphalangeal joints. In neuro patients, you do your sensation, you do your proprioception um, as well, um, and then Simmons tests is the Achilles tendon and other things to look out for, unstable ankle and Morton's neuroma, uh, which I'm not really sure. Right, so this is going to be a shoulder examination. Um, so first thing you do is wash your hands, introduce yourself, expose the patient appropriately. Then you look at the, the shoulders from the front and from the back. You check whether there's any asymmetry or alignment in the shoulders. From the back, you check whether there's any winging, uh, particularly long thoracic nerve palsy. Um, you check the positions, whether the level of the hands is symmetrical. Look for any uh, scars, any bruising, any redness, any swelling, any muscle wasting with the deltoids or the pectoral muscles, <clears throat> and any deformity. Then you palpation, so you feel temperature over the back of the shoulder, uh, over the, of the shoulder joints. I would expect the shoulder girdle, you'll palpate on the joint lines. So your sternoclavicular joint, acromoclavicular joint, along the clavicle, posterior down the spine, the scapula. Um, you'd also feel the neck, palpate from the occipital down to the C7 spinous process. You do some movements now, so you do your neck movements, flexion, extension, abduction, adduction. Um, and then you do some passive movements of the shoulder, so you palpate the crepitus, note any pain uh, or, or any limited movements. So the movements would be flexion, extension, abduction, adduction, internal and external rotation. With, then you do active movement, uh, so abduction would be raising hands straight forwards. Sorry, no, abduction would be raising the hands laterally, um, so you'd feel the shoulder, any crepitus, um, any supraspinatus, so the painful arc is 60 to 120 degrees, and that's a supraspinatus. Um, and then the painful more than 140 is usually related to osteoarthritis. Um, if they cannot move this at all, uh, that's usually a rotator cuff tear. Then you do abduction, so the, the arm will be crossed over the midline. You do internal rotation, and that's the hand behind the back, and ask them to uh, put their thumb as high as possible. And then this would be pain in a rotator cuff injury. Then you do external rotation. Um, this would be reducing the frozen shoulder. And then flexion, it's just forward. And then extension, it's just backwards. The other test that you can do specifically for um, supraspinatus is that you can either put the arm at zero degrees to the parallel to the floor, and then you ask them to um, abduct uh, the arm. Um, so I, well, extend the arm, so move it backwards, and you resist that. 
or you could bring the arm to 90 degrees like a parallel to the floor, bend the elbow with the thumb pointing downwards, and then on the, on the border, you push down and they push up, and if there's pain in the, in the shoulder, that's usually supraspinatus. Um, infraspinatus, so uh, external rotation, so you're resisting external rotation. Subscapularis, hand behind the back, asking to push up against the wall, um, that's usually a way to test that. And then the other thing that you do is you test the long head of the bicep, so palm upwards, as into supinated, so turn the hand upwards and you try to resist it. Um, the functional test is asking to put the hand over their shoulder, asking to put the hand yeah, as far back goes over the other shoulder as possible. And then the subacromial test, um, this is called Hawkins test. So with this one, you flex the elbow and shoulder up to 90 degrees and passively internal rotate. Yeah, so it's similar to the um, similar to the subacromial impingement, but um, you would, how do I describe this? Um, the arm is resting on yours, um, kind of in front of your body, and then you would internally rotate as though you push the palm of the hand towards that side. Um, and so the best way to do it is if you put your hand on that other shoulder. So if you're if they're standing in if they're standing in front of you, um, you stand to the side of them. Put your left hand over their sh over their left shoulder. If you're testing the right side, the uh, right arm would be resting on your left arm, and then you just internal rotate it with your right arm. Now it's confusing as Mark. And then the final things you do is you test power. So you test the deltoids. So arms like a chicken down, pec major, push hands into the waist, straight anterior, push against the wall, and that's the non-thoracic. Um, and then to complete the examination, we do neurovascular, state of the limb, so force, sensation, proprioception, assess the joints above and below, we take a full history and we do any imaging if that was um, required. Um, that's that really. I don't think there was anything extra to, to mention, really. So to do the knee examination, again, introduce yourself, wash your hands, ask if there are any pain or discomfort or any limited range of movement. You expose the areas that you want to look at, i.e. the knee. Um, so you'd get them to stand initially, so you'd inspect from the front and the side and the back, ask the patient to turn. So generally looking at posture, alignment of the shoulders, and those the knee examination of the hip and the patella. See if there's any walking aids. Um, you can also look at the hands for any signs of arthritis. Check if there's any deformity, any valrus, um, valrum, so legs apart, valgum, uh, legs together, any hyperextension of, of the knee. Um, obviously, look for any, any erythema, any scars from joint replacement or any arthroscopy, uh, any psoriasis. Um, then you look for any muscle wasting of the quads, uh, any fasciculations, um, any swelling like a popliteal or baker's cyst. Um, then you do a gait just while they're standing, ask them to walk, so you look at the stride length, ability to turn, any antalgic gait, any Trendelenburg gait, any restriction movement. Um, and then you would do um, pushing, you'd put them sitting on the couch, um, you'd feel along the patella, feel along the joint line for any tenderness, uh, you do active knee extension and flexion and check the power then, you'd feel for any crepitus at the same time, and you'd also assess the extent of the 
um, extension as well and extend to the flexion. Then the patient will lie on the bed um, or the couch. Again, another inspection, so you check alignment, check any swelling, check the quads, the quad bulk. <laughs> um, then you would do um, your palpates, um, any with the back of your hand, any temperatures, if it's warm, inflamed, <clears throat> any effusion, so you do the bulge test, so you sweep. With the back of the hand, um, uh, you sweep laterally across the superpatellar pouch on the outside of the leg, and then stop, and then you see whether there's any um, loss on the medial sulcus. The other thing that you could do is kind of milk everything down and squeeze it for larger effusions as well, but you don't need to do that if there's no small effusion. You could also check for bursitis, um, any pre-patellar swelling, um, infra-patellar swelling as well. Um, then you bend the knee passively for any crepitus um, and fill up any tenderness. And I've already mentioned you'd go over the joint lines of the patella and you'll also do the tibio femoral joint line as well. Um, I've kind of spoken about active movements. You, again, you have stool feeling for crepitus. You assess the hamstrings and quad strengths by, by assessing the power, um, flexion and extension, internal rotation, external rotation as well particularly of the actual knee rather than the hip. Then the special tests, you've got your anterior draw test, the posterior draw test, which are fairly straightforward. Um, the Lachman test is at 30 degrees and your tibia is moved forward and kind of rotated laterally. Um, and then, so I don't need to explain those two. The medial lateral flexion ligaments, again, that's fairly straightforward. And the McMurray's test, um, again, is for meniscal uh, damage. Um, you can test the medial lateral meniscus as well. So you uh, bend the knee uh, to around 90 degrees uh, or flex the knee to 90 degrees and then you rotate the tibia medially uh, and that will uh, test the lateral meniscus and then you test it. Um, then you um, laterally rotate it and it will just test the medial meniscus. You can also do the Apolis-Brown test for meniscal damage uh, and the signs of both of these are pain. So the patient is prone in this instance. And then you put down pressure immediately, immediately and, and laterally rotate the, the, the foot and that's going to be painful obviously. Um, to complete the examination you do neovascular state of the limb, you do joint above and below, you do a full history and you do um, AP and uh, lateral x-rays. So just to, just to summarise, so the key things are you're looking for any on your inspection, so any walking sticks, crutches, baker cysts, deformities of virus, valgus, any deviation of the patella. Um, and again, you mentioned how to do the sweep test as well. You can do the patella tap, so you, you kind of do the sweep, uh, squeezing everything down, so from uh, approximately down to distally, keeping your foot, keeping your hand above the patella, and then you just kind of, um, if you, the test is positive, if you feel obvious fluctuations. Um, of the patella or if you hear a tap as the patella bounces off the femur. You can also measure the thigh circumference, so you do this 10 centimeters above the um, patella and then measure it well actually, so two, less than 2 centimeters difference is normal uh, and that's for muscle wasting. Um, and the whole time you're doing flexions, anytime you're doing movements you feel burning crepitus. Just scrolling through see if there's anything else. Um, Alex.
Yeah, see, so off to Murray's test, or off to Ugly's test, because that one's going to be more painful. Uh, first, yeah, and then, and then you'd obviously do above and below, so that's the hip and that's the ankle. Um, and that's it, really. So you do the hip examination, so introduce yourself, wash your hands, ask us any pain or limitations in any movement. Um, when you're looking on the bedside, check whether there's any mobility frames at all. You start with the patient standing, and you'd um, look for any any weird shoes, uh, walking aids. So with the patient standing, you're looking from the front, from the side, and then from behind. From the front, you're looking for alignment to the shoulders, the hip, and the patella. You're looking for any weighting at the quadriceps, um, any rotational deformity, i.e. what's the feet position doing. And from the side, looking for any surgical scars, so total hip replacements can have a posterior uh, incision, so look for scars, any swellings, uh, any lumbar lordosis or any scoliosis from behind, um, and any gluteal wasting. You, I would, I would, then I would do the Trendelenburg test as the patient is standing in front of you. So you ask the patient to place their hands stretched, ask the patient to lift one leg at a time, so if they're lifting one leg, you're looking for the opposite limb, opposite pelvis to tilt downwards, and that is a positive side, positive sign of a Trendelenburg test. Uh, and this is tested and look for damage to the superior gluteal nerve, uh, and that's the gluteus minimus and medius. Uh, so just to clarify over the Trendelenburg, so get the patient to place his hands on yours, or their hands on yours. They stand one leg at a time, look for pelvic movement on the opposite side, uh, and also feel any pressure on your hand as well. The test is positive if the pelvis tilts downwards from the opposite side. Um, then you can do the, the, the gait, so you ask them to walk front and back, um, turning, so you're assessing their speed, rhythm, their phases of walking and their heel strike toe, their stride length, if there's any arm swing, and then the Trendelenburg gait as well, so that's the pelvis dropping during walking, any ontologic gait, so pain in the hip, um, or yeah, or limping gait and a foot drop, which is a sciatic nerve injury, which again can be relevant to posterior approach to the hip. So then um, ask the patient to lie on the couch. So you're inspecting them. Um, skin, muscle wasting, circulations, any swellings, any bony deformities. Um, with them lying down, you can measure the leg length. Uh, so you do true leg length from asis to medium alveolus, apparent leg length from umbilical umbilicus to the umbilicus or support process to the medial malleolus. malleolus. Um, you can measure the tibia versus the femur, so you flex the knees to 90 degrees and be able to tell if, if the tibia is shortened or the femoral or the femur is shortened. Um, again, you will palpate the, the, the bones that you can feel, so you palpate the greater trochanter, the um, the ACES, the pubis, the sacroiliac joint. Um, and then in terms of your movements, so you do active and passive movements. So um, you could do straight leg raise um, initially, you could do up to power as well, you could do lateral uh, movement as well to power. Then eventually you turn the patient over and they do the extension. But while they're on the back, you could also do a Thomas test as well. And this test is to partly test iliopsoas tightening, but also to help with any fixed flexions of deformity. Um, so you patients on their back, um, you put their hand underneath their lumbar spine to check whether um, 
there is excessive lumbar lordosis. Sorry. Um, keep one hand on examination table under patient's spine. Both knees fully flexed to chest to straighten the pelvis. Ask patient to hold onto one knee and extend the other. A fixed flexion deformity will prevent straightening. And the patient may compensate with increased lumbar lordosis, i.e. the spine lifting off your hand. Um, and that's called the Thomas test, which assesses fixed flexion deformity. Um, and again, I'll just repeat it because it's a bit complicated. So with the patient lying on their back, um, you don't have to have both knees at the same time. You can do one at a time. Um, you put your hand underneath their back, ask them to flex their knee, and then you want to feel whether, your, um, whether the spine compensates by lifting up. Uh, so that is one thing that you're looking for. The other thing is, is the other leg. Um, the other hip may flex as well, which is also, you can also measure that as well. So the Thomas test is positive if the hip flexes, uh, and then you should measure how much it flexes by. So I kind of mentioned the other movements of the hip. So you're doing straight leg regus, you do your Thomas test, you can do your abduction, and the adduction crossing in front of the other limb. You do your internal external rotation, um, and then you ask the patient to turn over, and then you do your um, extension. Um, the other things that you can add to this exam are your reflexes, sensation, um, <clears throat> L4 is a foot inversion, L5, big toe extension, S1, plantar flexion. And then to finish any exam, joint above and below, hernias, full history, neurovascular status, and radiographs. Um, and then just a bit more information. So true, true shortening of the limb is due to perpies, slipped femoral epiphyses, avascular necrosis, or hip dislocation. Excuse me, apparent shortening um, of fixed flexion deformity of osteoarthritis. Um, yeah, that's it really. So you do the spine, the spine exam summary. So patient, uh, wash your hands, introduce, ask if there's any pain, expose the patient. The patient should be standing at this point, ask about any back pain. The other things from the back, you're looking at the level of pelvis, the shoulders. Um, from the back, any scoliosis, any scars, any wasting. On the side, you can say, see if there's any kyphosis or whether there's any loss of lordosis or gain of lordosis. Um, with regards to, so that's what you're looking, and then you're feeling, so you can feel sacroiliac joints, starting, well, push start from the top. So you feel your C spine um, all the way down to your um, lumbar spine, and then feel for any anything really, any asymmetry, any pain, any erythema. Um, and then once you've done your feeling, um, and you feel the paraspinal muscles for your tenderness, um, and then you do your movements. Um, so I would do this um, cervical, uh, so because the patient is standing at this point, I would do the lumbar spine first, uh, and that includes Schober's test. So lumbar spine would be forward flexion, extension, arching backwards, and then the side flexion. And the Schoberg's test is finding the posterior superior spine, 10 centimeters above, 5 centimeters below. Ask the patient to try to touch their toes. More than 5 centimeters, they should be able to do more than 5 centimeters, less than, less than 5, possibly in the case and spine. Um, then ask the patient to sit on the edge of the bed, and then they can do the reflexive spine. And that's the rotation. Um, and then they do the C-spine, so that's just all the movements of the neck. Um, then you ask the patient to lie on their back, then they can do the straight leg raise. Um, so if there's any pain, that could be indicative of um, 
that's any indicative of uh, sciatica, and don't forget straight leg raises with the ankle in dorsiflexion. Um, and then the other thing they can do is that, well, the sacroiliac springing, if it's painful, you can put the patient's hand behind the back. It's, if it makes it better, then that in, indicates that it's an L-spine pathology. And then you ask the patient to turn over, and then you can do the femoral stretch test. Um, there's pain in the thigh and buttock regions suggest L2, L4, nerve irritation. Um, and then while they're on the back, you can either do, you can either fill the interspinous uh, spaces here. The other things that you do is measure the leg length, um, and then the angst bond test. So I mentioned Schober's test. Chest expansion should be more than five centimeters, and you can do tragus to wall uh, distance as well. Um, yeah, and then to, to complete examination, you do an abdominal examination of the masses, testicular, testicular exam, because there could be, uh, or testicular prostate exam, breast exam, and you do your uh, lower limb neuro uh, as well. Um, and don't forget, AAA can be a cause of uh, back pain. I don't think there's anything extra to really add to, to this, just 